Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, you had a story blowing up over this weekend about the real scandals involving Hillary Clinton and classified information and investigations, and it didn't involve WikiLeaks. So let me guess, you're not on Vladimir Putin's Christmas list. That's why. You're the <laughs> one guy be, he's not feeding information that be, to. That might be part of it. This is a different story. I mean, people are conflating the WikiLeaks stories and revelations on the one hand, which are largely related to John Podesta's emails about the Hillary Clinton campaign. And on the other hand, we have uh, the investigation, the FBI investigation to Hillary Clinton's emails and her private server. This deals with the latter. It doesn't deal with the former. And we'll figure out the difference between those two in just a second. But first, a word about our sponsor, CricketShirts.com. Cricket makes comfortable, sharp-looking polo shirts that perfectly mix old-school style and modern design. But that's not why I want to talk about CricketShirts.com. I want to thank them for finally ending the battle of the shirts at my house. See, I always wear polo shirts when I'm not at work. Summertime, it's polos and cargo shorts. Winter, it's polo and jeans. And I find polo shirts that I like because they have the right feel, you know, the material, or they're not too skinny, or they're not too boxy. And then my wife wants to throw them away after a few washes because she says that they look bad, the collars get all crunchy in that bacon collar thing, or they kind of look faded. And I, But baby, I like that shirt. And so we've been fighting because I tell her, you get rid of that shirt, it may take me months to find another one that I like as much until I found CricketShirts.com. Cricket shirts are made with super soft, 100% certified organic cotton, making their shirts as comfortable on the 19th hole as they are at the 18th. The shirts are not too baggy, not too skinny, and Cricket shirts come with removable collar stays to keep the collars looking crisp and new. No more bacon collar. Now, I know a lot of guys are like me, buying clothes with the internet, uh, but listen, Cricket Shirts offers free, no-hassle returns and exchanges. Plus, because you listen to the Weekly Standard Podcast, you can get 20% off your first purchase. Just go to CricketShirts.com. That's C-R-I-Q-U-E-T. CricketShirts.com slash Weekly Standard. Use the promo code Weekly Standard. It'll be 20% off your first purchase, and I promise you, it won't be your last purchase. You are going to love CricketShirts.com. C-R-I-Q-U-E-T. CricketShirts.com slash Weekly Standard. Use the promo code Weekly Standard. And thanks again to Cricket Shirts for supporting this podcast. And I am, by the way, uh, devilishly handsome in my new Cricket Shirt, uh, Steve Hayes. Uh, but people were wondering, are they going to see Hillary Clinton in an orange jumpsuit? That's what they want to see her in. And there's a lot of talk about criminality, et cetera. What is the FBI uncovering? Is it criminality, bad behavior, political wheeling, dealing? Because to me, the WikiLeaks stuff is pretty much political jerks being political jerks. Right. Yeah, th- this is different. I mean, t- to answer your first question, I think it's unlikely that we're going to see Hillary Clinton in a jumpsuit. These are sort. This is sort of the, the back documents, the investigatory documents that the FBI – had that they compiled and filed during its investigation of Hillary Clinton. We're just now getting to see what the FBI was looking at when it chose to make its decision not to prosecute her. This is These are those documents. Look, I, I think the biggest uh, revelation out of this concerns a State Department official named Patrick Kennedy, who was involved in discussions uh, of a quid pro quo. That's, that's a quote, quid pro quo, with State Department, I mean, with FBI officials about 
reclassifying Hillary, some of Hillary Clinton's emails. So Patrick Kennedy is the Undersecretary of State for Management. He deals with all sorts of things. He has his hand in he had his hand, he was a central figure in the Benghazi scandal. He was responsible, according to these new documents, for recommending interviewing Brian Pagliano, who would go on who was right. a former Hillary Clinton aide who would go on to work in the State Department and set up her private server. And then go on to plead the fifth when asked about it. And then go on to plead the fifth when asked about it. And Kennedy was uh, in, in his position as uh, Undersecretary of State for Management in charge of providing the FBI with overseas slots uh, in diplomatic outposts around the world. The FBI has a certain number of slots. There are FBI officials, agents in each embassy at many of these diplomatic outposts. And Kennedy was in charge of approving or not approving those. Well, the FBI International Operations Division had been trying to reach Kennedy for months, and Kennedy had not returned their phone calls. Then one day, this senior International Operations Division official at the FBI shows up at work and is surprised to find this note from Patrick Kennedy saying, hey, call me. So he calls Kennedy, and Kennedy wants to talk to this guy, not necessarily, at least at first, about these additional slots for the FBI at Mm -hmm. overseas diplomatic outposts but about classification of emails and about having the classification changed on an email or some emails that he deemed problematic. So he has this conversation. So what does that mean? So in other words, Hillary emails are being requested. They're going to have documents on them that are classified at a certain level. And he wants those classifications to be changed because if we see them at that level, it would reflect poorly on – managing classified information. Correct. Okay. Uh, that's that's part of it. And and Kennedy, it's, it appears, just based on my reading of these documents that were just released at 10 a.m. On, mm-hmm. on Monday morning, it appears that Kennedy, in some cases, wanted these documents up-classified or made FOIA-exempt so that the ah. public would never see them. At one point, he, he tells a state, uh, an FBI official, that he wants to invoke this B-9 Freedom of Information Act exemption, mm-hmm. totally obscure thing dealing with geophysical characteristics <laughs> and maybe maps, <laughs> and wants to bury this particular Hillary Clinton email in the basement of the State Department so that is it is, quote, never to be seen again. So in some instances, he wanted to make them less accessible to the public. In other instances, where it appeared that the public was likely to be able to see these documents— mm-hmm. Kennedy wanted them unclassified or downclassified. Right. So taken from classified as secret or top secret, no foreign, mm. SAP, downclassified and made unclassified so that Hillary Clinton, we could can assume, say. could say, I didn't ha- – as she had said at that point, by <laughs> right. the way, I wasn't sending or receiving classified right. information. But why would he need to change the classifications if she hadn't sent or received any classified information, as she said again and again? Correct. I mean, that is the key question. Right. And well, it's important to note here that what, what Kennedy appears to have done here, he appears to have done only with the FBI. So there were certain emails that were identified as they went through this process as likely classified that had what they call FBI equities that dealt with the FBI. The FBI may have classified those. This is just a sliver because Kennedy may have made the same kind of classification uh, requests with the CIA, with the NSA, with the DIA, with the NGA, with any of another a number of the alphabet soup of intelligence agencies. 
And we don't know if right. he made those requests, if he did, if those requests were complied with by those other agencies. Mm-hmm. I will just say, uh, in talking to intelligence sources throughout this whole process, I've had a number of times intel officials who are reading emails from Hillary Clinton who, you know, that, that are at now at least marked unclassified have said to me, mm-hmm. I can't believe this particular email was unclassified. <laughs> right. And this may give us some insight as to why those emails mm-hmm. that looked like they might have been classified were in fact unclassified. And because of the WikiLeaks stuff and because of the current state of this presidential race, so there's, it's, it's like you can't keep track of the specifics that you want to cling to to understand. What are some other specifics we found out? For example, I found out recently that one of my favorite restaurants in America here in, in uh, D.C., Iriki, Northern Italian Cuisine, right from DuPont Circle, she has a skiff room in the back. That's part of her I marketing that. is that she has a – well, I didn't know what – I was like, what the heck is a skiff? Then I'm reading your Weekly Standard stuff and apparently Hillary had a skiff problem. Yes. Well, a skiff is a secure compartmented information facility if I'm remembering that correctly. And it's basically a place that senior government officials go to receive highly classified briefings. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are designated rooms. There's a skiff room or a couple skiff rooms uh, in the Capitol and its mm-hmm. outlying buildings. I've been in there to receive briefings of journalists. You're never, ever allowed to bring any electronic equipment into the skiff rooms. And what they usually do is they, uh, they give you – they take your BlackBerry or right. your iPhone and they give you a key or a number mm-hmm. – and they store it for you outside of the room, and then you go in for your briefing, and then you walk out, and you pick it up. You right. give them your number. I mean, it's like a coat check. Sure. And the, it's and like the, a BlackBerry And the reasons check. are obvious. Right. Whether it's taking pictures there, or something or audio or you could, you know, if you're up to no good right. or if you're just sloppy and lazy, you know, exposing secrets to electronics it creates an opportunity for bad things to happen. Right. There, there are two reasons. I mean, one is – and, and one is that – if you are in this in – in a skiff, this would be particularly in an overseas temporary skiff mm-hmm. that are built basically to accommodate mm-hmm. foreign government or, or our government officials traveling in foreign countries. It's possible that if you take your uh, electronic equipment in, it can effectively serve as a microphone mm-hmm. to foreign governments sure. who might want to listen in. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. On the other hand, it's also the case, and I think the primary reason is really what you're talking about, which is you don't want anybody taking pictures. You don't want right. anybody recording this mm-hmm. stuff surreptitiously. So that's why it's prohibited. And and I will say when I talked to uh, – when I was talking to intelligence officials about this story over the weekend and laying out several of what I thought were the pretty significant developments mm-hmm. in this – the thing that – and, you know, it's it's the, the State Department alleged uh, quid, quid pro, pro quo, quo proposal. There's another one where Hillary Clinton takes a side trip and potentially jeopardizes the lives of her security team and her staff and the media that a diplomatic security agency uh, folk, uh, person talks about. And then there's this, this skiff thing. Bringing where she electronic, kept taking again and again. Every she time would take her against stuff. Against the prohibitions and for the intelligence people I talked to. This was what bothered right. them most. This, you just can't do this. Right. It's just unheard of. Right. Nobody does right. this. And she did it, and she did it every time, mm-hmm. and she did it despite right. pretty consistent warnings, I mean, apparently. I, you're in the operating room, and someone stomps in and says, I'm not wearing a mask and right. gloves. Forget you. I'm so important. My ger- my germs are better than your germ. I mean, this right. is that's, that's the equivalent of this. This is not like some bizarre, arcane, well, what is technically, should this be an eyes-only document? Should this right. be a classified? Should this be a confidential? No, no, no. This is just... Just your basic, 
don't you know, like you said, you know, basic rules of if you take intelligence seriously, this is like you don't 101 stuff. Correct. Yeah, exactly. exactly right. So where do you think we are? And do you think this is part of the reason why we're hearing stories now that inside the FBI, there's a lot of anger about the decision yeah. not to. To prosecute. Well, you can see you can see some of the frustration of, from the FBI in these documents okay. themselves. I mean, there's one this the senior FBI records official is claims that he's being pressured by another FBI official, by one of his colleagues, because this Patrick Kennedy at the State Department wow. is pushing him to change the classification. Mm-hmm. And this guy says, I'm not going to do this. He says, I'll, I'll just read this short sure. paragraph. He says he received a call from X, somebody of the International Operations Division of the FBI, who, quote, pressured him to change the classified email to unclassified. This person indicated he had been contacted by Patrick Kennedy, Undersecretary of State, who had asked for his assistance in altering the email's classification in exchange for a, quote, quid pro quo. (laughs) This person advised that in exchange for marking the email unclassified, State would reciprocate by allowing the FBI to place more agents in countries where they are presently forbidden. Now, remember, this comes from an FBI official, a Mm -hmm. senior FBI official responsible for classification. So the FBI, after my story broke over the weekend, put out a statement downplaying all this, saying Mm -hmm. there was never a quid pro quo. It wasn't executed, you know, really trying to to pour cold water on this, neglecting to point out that it was their own (laughs) official Who's the one who raised the allegations of quid pro quo and who who objected? Okay, so I want to wrap up with this. Um, uh, Our mutual acquaintance, John Podoritz at The New York Post and at Commentary Magazine, says that here's what happened. The head of the FBI knows that he has a prosecutable case that under, under normal circumstances you would absolutely take. But he's not going to by himself possibly alter forever the course of American history by changing the election. And that the issue isn't Comey per se. It's that when Comey looks up and sees the husband of his target talking to his boss on an airplane and when he sees his ultimate boss, President Obama, saying this is not criminal at all. Of course, there's no criminality at all. Right. That he's going, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not going to go out there by myself. Do you think that that, based on what you've seen and reported and the officials you talked about, that this would came down to that nobody bleeds for a second that this is not a prosecutable case? It's simply the case that. Why would you as the FBI chief stand alone when it's obvious what everybody around you wants? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's right. Th- this is there's, – there's a second theory that's been propounded by Andy McCarthy over at National mm-hmm. Review that I think is pretty persuasive as well. And that is President Obama was engaged in some of the same conduct that Hillary Clinton was engaged in. I mean he too had a private off mm-hmm. – a, a different email right. set up apparently. Um, you know, the White House would say the the president's email was secured, and he assumed that he was emailing with Hillary Clinton on a secured he uh, server. Pretty <laughs> incredible that the president of the United D. States would would ass- would make that assumption. Um, <laughs> You'd think when you see the tag of the email is whatever you know, scambots.net, dot right. that maybe you might notice something. Right. Look, I mean, it the, the claim that that. Uh, James Comey made when he presented this and said that no reasonable prosecutor mm-hmm. would have brought this case, I think has been utterly destroyed. Right. And it's been destroyed largely by the disclosure of these documents. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these are the documents they were looking at when they were mm-hmm. seeking to make their case. And, and I've talked to a lot of reasonable prosecutors, intelligence officials, law enforcement right. people who say – this is not only uh, you know a reasonable case to to bring, but it's one that would likely have succeeded 
That, I think, tells you everything you need to know and that's the importance of this document. I mean just to, just to underscore the, the significance and I think the explosiveness of this, Paul Ryan, who's not known for um, hyperbole and, right. and crazy language, put out a statement uh, midday on Monday and said that these documents, disclosure of these documents, the contents of these documents appears to be a cover-up. Right. And that's Paul Ryan. Exactly. I mean, this is not Donald Trump right. or, you know. Or his communications or director, Info Alex Wars, Jones. Or InfoWars. Yeah. This is Paul Ryan saying this appears to be a cover-up. Mm -hmm. And certainly everything I've reported on over the weekend and seen since they've been released suggests that he's right. Well, that's what we appreciate you joining us for this podcast. Steve Hayes here at the Weekly Standard. Remember, you never have to miss another Weekly Standard podcast. We do them all the time. Just go to iTunes.com and subscribe. It's absolutely free. That's iTunes.com for the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham.